Good morning, everybody. Good morning. How's everybody doing? Good. We having a nice week. Good. <laughs> All right. Well, it's nice to be with y'all today. Glad to see you. Glad you can make it. Well, if you want, we'll pray and we'll praise God. Father, we love you. We're here for you this morning. We're grateful for how you've worked in our lives. You've brought us to where we are. And we just pray for continued growth on all our parts as we praise you this morning, as we hear your word. Let it work in us, God. Let us uh, grow closer to you, to each other, and just to honor you with everything we are. And so we give this morning to you, this time. Pray for Leonard, for the youth volunteers, all of us, God. Just let us give you everything this morning. We love you, we praise you, and we're here for you, God. Amen.
Hopefully it's working now. Everybody doing okay? Good. I'd like to welcome our people who are gathering online. Um, love you guys too. And uh, just hope that in this gathering, whether we're here or whether here in spirit, uh, that God will speak to our hearts, that he will show up in ways that uh, we need to know him and, uh, and, and hear him. And hopefully in the process, uh, we will be built up as the body of Christ. This today kind of feels a little bit like the calm before the storm. Because I know a lot of you guys are getting ready to go back to school. We have teachers that are returning, and I know our missions team wanted to support them. And, and hopefully, um, if you're a teacher and you haven't been supported by them, please uh, let us know. But I think we've got everybody. Because uh, we know that the most, one of the most important jobs in the world is the, the nurturing and the development of our kids. And uh, we'd be remiss if we didn't keep... Uh, those responsible for that stewardship lifted up. And so I just wonder, do we have any, any teachers here today that are going back to school? If we do, I just want you guys to stand up for a minute. I know this wasn't planned, but um, uh, all right, okay. I know there's another one back there as well. So thank you guys. Well, just take a look at these guys. They're getting ready to go into it and they need uh, your prayers. Uh, because um, it, uh, it's a challenging moment that we're living in anyway. Uh, but also our kids. Our kids are getting ready to go back. I know uh, my wife's going back on Monday, and Salem starts on Wednesday, I believe, uh, and um, other schools, uh, it's, it's happening. And um, whether you're ready or not, 
Uh, it, is, it is on, and it seems like our whole life is centered around the rhythm of the school calendar and events, and uh, we find that even as a church. Uh, so let's just keep that lifted up as a matter of prayer as we gather, um, but uh, also wanted to solicit any other concerns that you may have. I know Judy Lindsay's going in for surgery here, I believe it's tomorrow, uh, so keep Judy lifted up, and uh, keep Gail Hill lifted up as well. I know she's had her struggles, but uh, was in pretty good spirits when I saw her the other day, uh, but we want, want her to know that um, she has our love and our, and our prayers. And uh, I'm trying to think if there's anyone else. I know Rod had mentioned he's going in on October 6th for knee replacement, but that's coming up uh, a little ways. Um, but obviously, uh, it's a major surgery. Anybody have anything that uh, you'd like to lift up? Yeah, Judy. Okay. Okay. So Alice Dethridge is going in for a procedure on Wednesday. So we'd appreciate if you could keep her lifted up. I know we have prayer warriors out here who are writing this down, even as we talk, and that's what really makes our church work. Um, we have uh, uh, some things coming up here in a few short weeks here at the church. Uh, so please uh, attend to, to the guide or online or the, the Facebook feed so that you can see what's happening or you know even look at the screen and see before service what are are uh, things that um, that are coming up that we can be engaged with and hopefully um, God can show up and do some pretty cool things all right uh, anything else that you guys have on your minds Joyce okay a little more complicated than you thought with Don so um, uh, pray for Don Wolfgang. He went in for a procedure, and it turned out they discovered a heart valve issue, which they have to resolve before they can continue on with, uh, hopefully, the, the, the repairs that he, he needs to have made. So keep Don lifted up. Any others? Any, okay. Okay. Uh, Karen, what's, what's your sister's name? Tina Eisenhower, okay. We'll be praying for Tina, okay. All right, we're on a little bit of a roll here, but I'm not an auctioneer, so I won't type trying to provoke you guys. Uh, but um, it, it, with, with that in mind, uh, please just keep uh, these persons uh, lifted up in your prayers, on your prayer list, and, um, and, and let's just move into our time around the word. Before we get there, let's, uh, let's, let's go before the throne of our Lord. Our Lord Jesus, we are, thank, we are grateful that you have called us into a gathering this first day of the week. We want to surrender our hearts, our lives, our minds, everything that we have to you, knowing that you are the only foundation for all of the things that occur in our lives that are both expected and unpredictable. And we thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are... Um, a type of God that has come in the form of one of us to show us how it is that we are called to live. You have given us instructions. You've provided us the gospels and your word to provide clarity regarding just how it is that we posture ourselves towards the life that we are called into. And it is such a wonderful gift to know that we have that anchor and that foundation in a time that is 
unlike any that any of us have gone through with the unpredictability of an uncertain future. And yet we trust that you are sovereign over all, that you've appointed the times and the places for things in such a way that as we just give our lives to you, we know that you will carry us through whatever challenges that we face uh, in the world around us. And Lord Jesus, I know there are burdens that have been brought into this room that uh, involve health concerns. And so we pray for Alice and Judy and we pray for Don uh, and we pray for Tina and we ask that in their needs that you would be seen, that your voice would be heard and that you would be the healer that you have come into the world uh, to show that um, everything that is broken is made whole, whether it's our spirit, whether it's our soul or our body. We know ultimately you are there to give everything that we need for uh, that life to come. And so we trust you in the moment as we live in the promises, knowing that the hope is yet to be realized in full. And even as I'm praying, Father, I'm, I'm thankful for Jackie Odie and for her presence here in this body, the way that she served, the way that she cared, the way that she laughed. And uh, we just want to celebrate her as she has gone to be with you. And we pray, Father, for your comfort and your help and uh, your grace to be with her family as I know they are they're missing her deeply. And as her church family, Father, we still uh, feel those pangs of grief as we think about um, sending her on to be with you. Uh, so, Father, with a spirit of hope and gratitude and trust, we lift these lives up to you. We lift the things that are coming up and how our church engages with the lives of other people in our community, especially our teachers. We pray that your blessing be upon them, that they would have a year of awareness of your provision, of the things that we lack, your sourcing, and the needs that we have, um, the way that you provide, even as you provide our daily bread. So help our teachers be confident in that foundation that you provide for the work that they are called to do. We pray for our kids as they return, that as um, they go into new grades and new challenges and new friendships, we pray that you would protect them, that you would enable them to be equipped for life. Uh, and we pray for Amy and all the people that she has on her team, that they could play a role in reinforcing everything that um, uh, you have given us into their lives as they develop in you and as they discover you and find that you are trustworthy. We pray, Father, that you would just bless uh, all the work that is being established uh, in our kids' wing and that we as a church could surround them as we're trying to surround um, our teachers in this prayer. We pray, Father, that you would give us the mind of Christ as we attend to your word. May you speak to us and um, may uh, the hearing of your voice lead us into a calling lead into correction or reproof or encouragement. And we thank you, Lord, that um, you are the way and the truth and the life, and we want to follow you and trust you. As we do that, just help us to pray the prayer that you taught your disciples that embodies everything about your kingdom and what you expect to see happen in the lives of people that pray. Would you pray with me now? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, 
but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. All right, well, if you have your Bibles with you, we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 19. And we're kind of rounding the corner into the city of Jerusalem. And Matt kind of picked up on that a little bit last week, so thank you, Matt, for doing that for me while I went and visited with my mother. Um, and, um, I, and I also wanted to kind of share as a sidebar, um, I don't know if everyone was aware of Jackie Odie's passing, but it was very sudden, very shocking, and uh, certainly didn't, didn't expect that to happen. But God said, hey, Jackie, it's time to come home, and she went. And uh, I was sad because I couldn't be there. Jackie's always had... Uh, an exchange between myself and her, sometimes even in the worship gathering, and we get into that banter mode. And I know she was thinking, I'm going to wait until Leonard's gone. That way he can't have the last word. <laughs> and so I'm, I'm waiting to get even with her, and we know that that is part of our hope is that we can anticipate resuming those conversations. Uh, but she definitely, she was one of a kind and, um, and, and certainly miss her. Um, but as we just continue to move forward with the legacy of the influence of so many people who have gone before us, uh, we go all the way back to the origin of our faith, which we find in the Gospels. And it really is the foundation for who we are and who God calls us to be for the world. And I honestly believe that if you forget your story, you will forget your identity. There's something about knowing the past that helps us to understand who we are in the present. And as a Christian, we are a deeply rooted people in a tradition that goes all the way back to the beginning, but it is highlighted at the point of Jesus' arrival into our world. And then for us personally, it takes on a whole new clarity and definition when Jesus becomes part of our lives personally, when he becomes the foundation that our lives are anchored on. But if you're like me, uh, and I know a lot of people, we tend to get busy in life. We tend to forget that there is a spiritual layer to everything until we have a moment of crisis. And then when that happens, we start to wonder, where is my hope? Where is the thing that I need to get through this? And for some of us, uh, we are here today because our world came crashing down and we discovered there was no foundation left. And as I move into this message and, and the reading of the scripture, um, I, I want to just kind of tell you a story a little bit about one of my favorite country and western music singers. It's, do they say country and western anymore or is it just country? Okay, so when he was a singer, he was country and western, according to my parents. And uh, that was Johnny Cash. Anybody ever hear of Johnny Cash? Okay, all right. Well, you, you're a fan, aren't you? You probably were at the front row of one of his concerts, I'm sure, just going, yeah, I can see Patty Pym doing that. Well, I don't know if you guys remember. Some of you may. Some of you weren't even here. But in 1967, Johnny Cash had his world just collapse in on him. And I don't know if you're aware of the story, but maybe you, if you were around back then, you remember the tabloids talking about his life and all the trials that he's going through. And um, don't know what that was about, but um, maybe as my wife's saying, time to wrap it up. Um, but uh, unfortunately, Matt's a little bit better at 
condensing things, but I want to tell you the story. Um, in 1967, Johnny Cash crawled into Nickajack Cave, and his plan was to kill himself. And the thought was, I'm just going to keep going into this cave system as deep as I possibly can until my flashlight and my battery runs out. And I'm just going to lay there, and I'm going I'm to die. And the reason why he came to that conclusion is because his life at that point had spiraled out of control from drug addiction, from promoters canceling his shows because his personal life um, wasn't doing well. His wife had filed for divorce, and he was just overwhelmed with grief and guilt. And if you know his story, you know that his dad was also in the background uh, telling him, uh, you're the reason why your brother died. And that's a, he didn't kill his brother, but um, uh, his brother basically worked in a sawmill and um, alongside Johnny Cash, and uh, one day his brother took his his place at the at the mill, and in the process, lost his life. And his dad said, "Had you not taken that day off, and your brother uh, not filled in for you, he would still be here." And so that that ghost had haunted him for so long, and now his life, basically everything that had meaning, was unraveling. It was dying. And what's so fascinating about this low point is the fact that this is exactly the place that God chose to show up. In that darkest hour of his life, literally in a cave, as he's getting ready to just end it. In the middle of all of his pain, God spoke to him. And he simply said this in a very audible way, I'm here. I'm still here. And there was something about that overwhelming sense that I am in the presence of God and I'm hearing the voice of God that was a pivotal moment in his life. And it caused him to go back into the world outside of the cave with a, a renewed hope and a fresh perspective and ever since then, in his writing, you could always hear a sense of the gospel, no matter, you know, how wild the, the country uh, way of life was as a, as a musician and as a singer. There was always this sense of, my life is anchored in the gospel of Christ. And I don't know what your story is, and I don't know if it's as dramatic as Johnny Cash's is, but I do know that every one of us has a foundation and as Jesus is coming into the city of Jerusalem, the big question on the back of his mind is, what do the people in this city value the most? And he's moving somewhere with that question. And it's a question that I have for you. What in your life is the most important thing or person? And you will only know that by how much time and energy and attention that you invest in it. And in contrast, all of the things that you have to say no to, to say yes to those things. And for some people, there comes a point where that time and energy and attention, as you've given it to church because at one point you value the church, 
Somewhere along the way, something else said, hey, I'm more important over here. And it captures your time and your energy and attention. And pretty soon, the thing that you were established in in the Lord sort of becomes untethered. And you float away. And Jesus was seeing that happen, not just individual lives, but he was seeing that happen to a whole nation. And that was his primary concern when he came into a very circuitous route on the way up to Mount Zion, the place where the temple and the people of God had been established. And he was thinking all the way back to the days of the prophets and recognizing that even back then, the value that people had and the time and the energy and the attention that they invested in those things they valued was not centered in the things of the Lord. And as Jesus is walking in, he earlier said a prayer, he prayed, he wept, and then, of course, he got a donkey, a representation of a peaceful Messiah coming to reign in a kingdom that no one saw and no one understood. And I think even to this day, we have a hard time seeing it. So let's just read the text. In it, it says, and when he drew near and saw the city, he wept over it, saying, would that you, even you, had known on this day the things that make for peace. But now they are hidden from your eyes, for the days will come upon you when your enemies will set up a barricade around the city and surround you and harm you on every side and tear you down to the ground, you and your children with you, and they will not leave one stone upon another in you because you did not know the time of your visitation. We're going to stay right there for just a second. Now, you're probably thinking, hey, I came to church today to be encouraged, Pastor, and that's a pretty dark passage of Scripture. It's dark, but there is light on the other side of it. And that's where I hope that we can land, because Jesus went through all of this to show us the things that we couldn't see. Have you guys ever heard of the gorilla experiment? Anybody familiar with it? Okay, you know what, I'm going to show you just a quick video, since um, uh, we're in an educational frame of mind. Um, let's just watch this video, and let's just follow the prompting, and then I got a couple of questions that will lead us into where Jesus was at in this moment, and maybe where you're at with the things of the Lord. So if we can, uh, let's just pop it on there. And while, while, we're, while we're getting that set up, maybe, maybe it won't come up. Um, I'll give you just a couple of seconds and then, well, while, okay, here we go. The monkey business illusion. Just follow this. You guys got that? You guys counting?
Everybody get 16? Did you see the gorilla? Did you? For yes? No? It's okay. If you didn't, that's fine. Like before, about, half missed the gorilla. about half the people missed the gorilla. It's you about the gorilla. Go back. <laughs> okay. We, we, we might later. Um, okay. So did you notice the curtains changing color? Because some of you may say, I know this. But did you see that? Didn't see it, did you? So, gotcha. I figured that some of you guys have heard of this because it's been talked about so much. But it's a friendly reminder of the fact that we don't always pay attention to the things that don't interest us. And that's really the whole point of that video. Thanks, Brian, for doing that. Um, it really is something that is a challenge that God has for us because we have a very limited amount of mental bandwidth. I mean, honestly, I know, I know teachers, at the end of the day, you're like, I got nothing left. I can't even attend. Um, and I get it. Um, we have this tendency to take all of our energy and invest it in our attention, and then pretty soon we just can't really even, even process things anymore. And what Jesus had been doing for three years was he was putting on full display, showcasing to everybody what it would like, what would it look like if God became one of us and he behaved towards the situations and promptings and challenges and stresses of the world with responses that were only God basically uh, postured responses. Like, how would God do this? How would God do that? How would God respond to that person that doesn't have their act together? How would God respond to that person that is um, shut out from the things of God? How would God respond to that person that is um, uh, got it all together? And he showed us that. And in the process, there was a lot of head scratching happening. And he used this word repeatedly. The kingdom, the kingdom, the kingdom. And essentially for three years, he was like, a construction um, master builder, establishing a foundation and giving the people that were within earshot a sense of how things are now being remade. Because in their mind, the temple was the place that the things of God and everything that was about God, everything transpired beginning there and then moving outward into the world. And as he's coming into the city, He's making some statements about the foundation that the people have established their lives on. And he even gets to the place in the telling of, of the story, as Luke does it, of challenging the very foundations of their, of their worship. He goes directly to the temple. And in verse 45, we pick this up. And he entered the temple, and he began to drive out those who sold saying to them, it is written, my house shall be a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of robbers. And he was teaching daily in the temple, and the chief priests and the scribes, that is the people that managed the temple complex, and the principal men of the people were seeking to destroy him. But they did not find anything that they could do, for all the people were hanging on his words. And essentially, everybody in that day was saying, if you're not part of 
the religious establishment, if you're not playing by their rules, then chances are you can go to God, but you're not going to get too deeply connected. You're not going to get too close to him. And Jesus saw that as a huge problem. And he wanted to redefine how it is that you and I get close to God because that's really key to establishing your foundation. A foundation that he says uh, in substance was represented by the temple, but in reality, it was based on a whole lot of other things. And the question is, what are you building your foundation on? And you really don't know, do you, until you have that season or that moment of testing. And then that thing comes out of you that you're like, oh, I'm surprised that came out. Or that thing comes out of you that says, I'm going to trust the Lord in this. I've never been here. It's scary. It's painful. I don't know where it's going, but I'm going to trust him. But if that foundation isn't what it needs to be, then chances are something else will come out. And it'll take some form that is, 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 is a type of worry or a fear or an anxiety or stress. And you find ways to maybe take that out on other people even. And Jesus understands that about our humanity. Because as we're telling the story, there are already people getting stressed out. Because he's challenging their foundations. And these people of all people should know better, the religious people who have gotten so busy being religious that they've forgotten that the basis of why they were even called to do what they did in the first place was centered in a relationship that they had with God, a covenantal relationship. And my question, what are you building your foundation on, I think can only be answered when we, re, when we look at that time that we got the bad news, it's the C word. Or that time that we heard that a loved one passed away. Or that time that we heard that um, uh, our finances weren't what they thought they were because the stock market is tanked. And there's just a whole lot of scenarios, aren't there, that you and I have gone through where we have had a start out with a good day and then you hear the bad news and then your whole day becomes centered around um, trying to offset the impact of that news. And Jesus understands that about you and I. And I think that's why a lot of you guys are here, because you've gone through life. And I know when people are young, people that are coming out of college, it is said that 80% of them that were raised in the church don't come back. And you wonder, there's a lot of things that are being told that um, say that Christianity is antiquated, it's not up with the times, it really has a lot of baggage from its history. And so there's been a huge campaign to undo the good news. And a lot of kids, when they go to college, to be quite honest with you, their faith gets lost. And... Um, and, and, and you have to wonder, what are they hearing that's providing a substitute for what they've heard here? But I also know that some of you were in that place as well. You haven't always come to church. You haven't always agreed that Jesus is the way. You haven't always trusted that God will provide for you whatever it is, whether it's a health report, a financial need, 
or any other crisis. But somewhere along the way, I am confident as you guys have gone through your lives and you've experienced the layers of those experiences themselves, you came to the conclusion, I got to have a better foundation than the one that I currently have. And for those of you who found that foundation, I'm just here to help build it up. And for those of you who maybe aren't in that place, I'm just here to remind you that that day will come when things will come crashing down. And you will need something solid to weather that storm. And Jesus is going into the temple, and people are saying, what that guy is saying, I don't know who he is, I don't know where he came from, I don't know what he's about, but he has a weight of authority in the things that he says that resonates deeply with my humanity. That every time I hear him talk, it's like, he's talking about me. You ever have that sense? When you come into the presence of the things of God, it's like, God, you are everywhere. And that really is the point. And yet, 80% of the young people going away from the university and into the workplace are saying, we don't see him anymore. I, I can't see him. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't have a category for him. I just don't know that he's real. And yet there are other people who have been following Jesus the whole time who said, I see him. I see him everywhere. And the thing that I think we lose is that ability to connect not just with the information about Jesus, but with the person of Jesus. And Jesus says, I'm giving you information, there's no question. But it runs deeper than that. The information is just a signpost to a reality that you're not seeing. Now, if you saw the gorilla and you're like, yeah, you're not going to pull the wool over my eyes, I get it. And if you didn't see the gorilla, maybe you're like, are you sure you're not just making that up? But one thing I can, I can probably say with a high degree of certainty is, when I first saw the video, I didn't see it change from orange to red. Or did it go from red to orange? Do you remember? And Jesus is going to show a display for everyone to see on the, on the high point of where the people of God established their lives in the very temple that is the focus of their attention for their pilgrimages. He's going to put on display a new foundation. And some people see it, and some people don't. And I have this quote that I, 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 really, I really appreciated uh, from Thomas Merton. And he said, um, life is this simple. We are living in a world that is absolutely transparent, and God is shining through it all the time. This is not just a fable or a nice story. It's true. If we abandon ourselves to God and forget ourselves, we see it sometimes. And we see it maybe frequently. And God manifests himself everywhere in everything, in people and in things and in nature and in events. 
it becomes very obvious that he is everywhere and in everything, and we cannot be without him. You cannot be without God. It's impossible, simply impossible. Now, when I read that, I am like, well, I get it as a person that studies the Bible. That's an important thing to recognize, that God's everywhere. But I, I'd be the first in line to tell you, I don't always see God in stuff until I look in the rearview mirror. And then I'm like, that was you, wasn't it? And that's all you get from God is, yeah, I love you. I've been faithful to you. I'm in a process of redeeming you and reclaiming you and remaking you. And most of the time, you don't even see it. And I also thought about the Johnny Cash song, I've Been Everywhere, Man. You know that one? Okay, I won't sing it for you, which is a mercy. Um, but it is that sense that no matter where you go, there God is. If you're tuned to him, if you have eyes to see. But the challenge that you and I have is when we value something, we're only paying attention to that thing. My wife could probably tell you the number of times she tried to tell me something and I had something else on my mind, and I was just going like this. And then she tells me a day later, don't you remember me telling you that? I'm like, no, I don't remember you saying that. Are you sure? And I'm not trying to throw any guys under the bus here, but there is something about the limitations that we have on the thoughts that we can keep in our head and the things that we can see and the things that we can hear. And God gets our attention probably the most because of that when we value the moment. And that moment is called a dark valley in the 23rd Psalm. That moment is called that time when we didn't know what we were going to do. That moment when you're like, I see it all crashing down or it could end well. And you just don't know. And God says, I'm here. And if you're building your foundation on him, you start to see that. And perhaps one of the biggest indicators that he's not the foundation is the fact that I don't have much peace. But I carry a lot of worry, a lot of anxiety, a lot of uncertainty, and a lot of insecurity. And Jesus is bringing to light the question, what is your source for peace? Now, for the religious leaders, it ultimately was Rome, believe it or not, because they sort of had a, a sort of a love-hate relationship. You take care of us as the empire, and we'll make sure the people stay in line. That really was the agreement. And Jesus was coloring outside the lines to such a degree they felt that threat, that the peace of Rome, the Pax Romana, was going to be removed from these people. And Jesus was going to be responsible for provoking it because you see the amount of disruption that he's creating by having a huge following of people start to trust his words. And as Jesus is walking into the city, he's thinking, he's thinking about the future. And historians tell us that in 70 A.D., the Romans said, we're tired of you guys. 
and the peace of Rome that the religious establishment enjoyed was gone. And the temple was destroyed. And the city was destroyed. And not one stone was left on top of another. There's still the wailing wall, but you can see that there really isn't a temple anymore. And I don't know if you've ever seen pictures of the temple, but there's some pretty big stones holding that thing together. And Jesus says, it's all going to be gone. What is the foundation for your life? Is it your career? My wife and I were just talking about her brother who um, retired from the Air Traffic Control Administration. And the attrition rate for government workers who retire, that is the mortality rate, is 16 months. You can almost plan it. 16 months of working with the FAA upon your retirement, chances are you're not going to be with us anymore. And we kind of asked the question, why is it that that happens? And the only thing that I could conclude, and I'm not an expert in this by any measure, one of the things that I know is that when you lose your job that you have invested your whole life in, and it's the foundation for who you are, and then you have nothing you wake up and you have no sense of purpose. You have no meaning. You really don't know where it's going. The satisfaction that you found from that experience is gone. And so maybe one of the contributors is the career became a foundation, but it wasn't enough. Perhaps it's just your image, how, how you look, how you look here, how you look on Facebook, how you curate that for other people. Maybe that's a concern. Maybe it's your relationships. And the thing that keeps you going is your relationships with the people in your world. Maybe it's your children's education or sports. It could honestly be anything. But where it gets sideways, because these are all good things, don't get me wrong. Where it gets sideways is when the good thing becomes a God thing. When that thing becomes the basis for your happiness, for your purpose, for your meaning. And I want to tell you, as Jesus was trying to tell the people around him. If you are building your foundation on anything other than Jesus Christ. It's not going to hold up. It's not going to be sustainable. If you're chasing greatness or self-worth, you will always be haunted by anxiety and worry. If you're building on your image, you will fall apart when people say stuff about you that points out your flaws. If you're building on money, you will always be fearful about what's happening in the market. If you're building your life on your looks, you'll always be fearful of what's happening in the mirror. And, you know, I just kind of gave up on it a while back. But I also know it's the same with relationships. If you're building on a relationship that we know that the timeline works in such a way that not everybody gets to go like Thelma and Louise. We don't go together. It's when God says it's time. And when that happens, it's rearranging the furniture of our lives in a huge way. But no matter what, something will strike, whether it's your health or whether it's your career, it's your marriage, it's your looks, whatever. 
Something will strike the foundation of your life. But the good news is it is actually a blessing, as weird as that sounds, because it gives you an opportunity to begin building on the foundation of Jesus Christ. Now, this is how I want to kind of close the message out, is I want you guys to consider what those foundations are and how we brought them into this place and how we can take the moment that we're in or the crisis that we're facing and we can reestablish it in Christ. Now, I think about the, the 80% of the people that don't go to church that, that uh, grow up and move on. And I just can't help but ask the question, what is their foundation? And I think a lot of people have really two things that they, they think about when they turn away from church. One is, let's just name it, sin. Sin is fun out of the gate. But eventually it will leave you relationally and emotionally homeless if you play it out. Then there are other people who say, I'm not doing that. I'm going to establish my life in religion, which gives me lots of certainty about the future and a foundation, which is what these guys were doing that got upset with Jesus. But very little flexibility in the way that you live. And you end up being mean-spirited, judgmental, and harsh. Because other people aren't living up to that religious design. The gospel is a whole different animal. And I think it speaks to us saying, well, my sin is pulling me away from the church, and so I'm going to do that for a while. Or I'm a religious person, but I'm not thinking about a personal relationship with God where I'm trying to tune to his voice and trust him in the course of a day as I talk to him in prayer through the course of the day about everything that I'm going through. And Jesus, he's not offering, he's not offering either one of those things. He's trying to leave us emotionally and relationally healthy. And he's trying to leave us with a sense of certainty. And the what, and the what to your question is, how does he do that? The gospel gives you lots of certainty about your future. Jackie Odie, and lots of flexibility in the way that you live. I mean, you can go to movies or not go to movies. It's up to you. Whatever you do, you just want to do those things that bring life and a sense of God's purpose to bear upon your life. Other than that, as long as you're in tune with the Lord, God says, do what you need to do. And he'll tell you along the way. But as Jesus is showing us a new picture of who God is, he's not saying, I'm coming here to quench the fun from sin. I'm, I'm not coming here to suppress your impulses and desires. I'm here to redeem them and restore them. I'm here to give you a new heart, a new way of looking at your life that enables you to see what you couldn't see before. 
enables you to appreciate the things that are blessings right in front of you. Enables you to wake up and not think about how bad things are happening to me or what I deserve, but paying attention to the faces of the people around you and saying, you're a blessing. That's a blessing. Anybody just enjoy the extended summer we've had with the rain? You go outside, you see plants, you see flowers, all that stuff. Nobody? <laughs> then you know what I'm, what I'm talking about. If you don't stop and see that and take it in and soak it in, then you're not seeing God. Well, God, he came to bring you and I a special kind of peace to reorient that thing that we value and to reestablish a foundation that maybe we've built on that we're seeing crumble. We're seeing it not quite work. We're seeing it play out. Now, one thing I can tell any person who's leaving the church or that's 80% of the people that say not relevant, there's a reason why Christianity has been around for 2,000 years. And trust me, it's been beat up pretty good. And yet what else is around that people establish their foundation on than that? I'm sure there are a few things, but nothing like that. Because it's not a religion. It is a relationship with a Savior that changes everything. And if we can see that, we can begin to live it out in a way that says, I'm a teacher and I'm not alone here. The Lord is with me. I work in a factory and I'm not alone here. The Lord is with me. I am retired and I'm not alone here. The Lord is with me. And you just fill in the blank. And I hope that as we conclude our time in the word, that you will trust the Lord's with you. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. But he will ask you, do you see me? Do you trust me? Do you trust me enough to let me save you on a blood-stained cross? Do you trust me enough to surrender your life to me? Do you trust me enough to build your life and your home and your family and your community on me? And only you can answer that question. And as God sees you, he says, you are important. My son came for you. Just insert your name there. And if you do, you'll see that relationship start to unfold. Would you bow with me? Lord Jesus, we pray that as we just recapture that moment where you came into Jerusalem and you saw eyes that could see and you saw eyes that couldn't see, we pray that you help our eyes to be opened even as the, 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 the two disciples on the other side.
light of the resurrection met you at the table and they couldn't see you until they broke the bread and they drank the wine of the cup. Lord, I don't know what moment it is it requires for us to see you, but I pray that if it's through the message, through the words, through the communion that Matt is getting ready to lead us into, that in the way that only you can reveal yourself, you would help us to see you. I lift our people up, and this time, in your presence, in Jesus' name. Well, as we prepare our communion cups and get ready for communion and, and our hearts, imagine this. The house is noisy and filled with people of all ages and sizes. Wonderful aromas drift in from the kitchen and celebration is in the air. The atmosphere is full of stories being told and memories being shared. There is always something familiar and always something new. You see, I look forward to these shared family gatherings. Connections are made over birthdays, anniversaries, holidays, and any other excuse to get together. And for the same reasons, I also look forward to communion at church. I look forward to sharing the story of Jesus walking down the street to the place where he and his disciples would share a meal. I imagine the disciples getting ready for the Passover feast together. They would be reflecting on the first Passover and they would be wondering how things would go in the upper room Jesus had arranged for them. And at the table, as they remember God's deliverance from slavery long ago, there is change in the conversation. Jesus introduces something new, offering a remembrance for the future. He says this meal will mark the beginning of a new covenant. They don't understand, but later they will see that the kingdom of God will include all kinds of people who believe in Jesus as our savior. This will be the table offering grace for all, and that's worth remembering. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this day, just the time that we get to listen to your word, hear about grace, hear about love, hear about where we need to place our focus. Lord, as we prepare our hearts and minds for the cup and the loaf and, and what it means, and just remembering the new covenant that we have with you, Lord, I just pray that we don't forget about that. Help us to remember that love and that grace that was poured out for us and the great sacrifice that your son put before us by dying on the cross for our sins. And it's in your son's name we pray, amen.
Well, I hope you all enjoyed uh, the worship and the service today. I, I just hope that as we go out, that we remember where our foundation is, that we begin to value the things that really matter in our lives. A couple announcements before we close in song. Um, this coming Sunday, a week from today, from 4 to 7, we're having our back-to-school bash. Um, we are still looking for some volunteers and some donations. There's a donation sheet and sign-up sheet in the in the, uh, place, the studio. And uh, if you need any questions answered, feel free to come ask me. Call the church office. We'll, we'll get you taken care of. Also, uh, yeah, make sure you look at all the announcements on your list. And uh, hope you have a great week. We had one song planned, but I think we'll close with a different one. I hear the train of coming. <laughs> right. I was going to go with you. All right. It's okay. Let's sing that chorus one more time together. Just go out that way. show you to everybody we can. 
God, help us grow closer to you this week. We love you and we praise you. Amen. Hope you all have a nice day.